Well, uh, my name is Marsh. I'm the worship arts pastor here, and I'm glad to be here speaking today. Um, I might, I'm a little fearful for you guys, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, Alan asked me a few weeks ago if I'd speak today, and I've gotten in this bad habit of saying yes to things immediately, because uh, <laughs> so I don't get my brain time to kick in to say, uh, reminder, you don't feel comfortable doing that kind of thing. So, uh, so here I am. Originally, uh, Alan was going to be swapping with another pastor here in the East Valley, and I'm and I'm not one to throw people under the bus, but it was totally Matt Anderson from McDowell Mountain Church of God, and he chickened out. And then, uh, and so Alan decided, I'll just ask Marsh; she'll say yes because he's afraid of conflict. So, so, uh, so here I am, and uh, he said, "We're doing a." Uh, like a three-week series on uh, the characters of Christmas. So you can just pick any character from Christmas. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And uh, so I thought, you know, it kind of leaves you open to lots of, uh, lots of different ideas. Jesus or Mary would, were the first two that popped off the top of my head. But I thought, eh, um, the, I'd rather do something a little bit different. So I thought maybe I'll do Zechariah because that might be funny. Uh, or, uh, or Herod, but that sounded a little hard and I'm not really up for a challenge. Um, or the wise man or something like that. But so as I'm hemming and hawing about what I'm going to talk about, Alan comes down to the office. Uh, and as often happens with me, time passes without me knowing. So it's like the week of, and Alan says, I, I really kind of need to know what you're going to speak on because, because I'm speaking the next week and I'll need to know what I'm speaking on. And so, okay. So out popped the shepherds. I'll talk about the shepherds because they don't get much press. I mean, they're, they're little guys and, uh, and I kind of, you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of feel their pain. And uh, so he said, okay. And he walked away. And then I started digging in to the story thinking, I'll dig into this thing. I'll read it. I'll get some kind of really cool nugget. And we'll all leave here rich with what I bring out. And then I started reading the story. It turns out they were living in a field nearby, um, kind of away from the action. And uh, just... Uh, laying around in the grass with some sheep and kind of letting life happen to him. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be hard. Because um, here's these guys living in a field. I mean, it sounds like living in a van down by the river, living in a field, laying in the grass, hanging out with some sheep, just letting life happen to it. I was like, oh, my gosh, that totally sounds like me. So, and as, and as funny as that is, it's the first time I've ever read the Christmas story and found myself in it. And so, and, and that's kind of when I thought, maybe that's what we'll talk about. I mean, that's the thing, is that the shepherds are me, and the shepherds are you, and we are the, the shepherds. I mean, we somehow made the story, we're, and we're not just a part of the story, we're a main character in it, in the whole grand story. And so, the words the angels spoke to the shepherds, uh, they spoke to us. I mean, God cared so much about us that he didn't wait for Jesus to get old enough to be able to speak the words to us. He sent a whole host of angels to give us a sermon and a concert to let us know that he was here and he was here for us. And that he had a lesson to teach us about how to live and how to become more like him. So we are the shepherds. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Luke 2 is our text. Uh, a big chunk of it at the front. I'll read 1 through 16. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in a manger. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story, and thank you so much for your son. I pray that you'll speak to us this morning. Thank you for pursuing us as your beloved. Amen. So the first thing the angel said to the shepherds when they appeared in the sky is, do not be afraid, or as we're used to hearing, fear not, right? And uh, this is not the first time, if you back up in Luke, uh, one chapter, I don't guess you could back up any further since we're just in Luke 2, but if you back up a little bit, uh, you'll see this is not the first time. We've heard fear not recently. Uh, The angel came to Zechariah and said, fear not, you're not too old. You're going to have a son, and he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. Um, And by the way, if you know the story of Zechariah, if an angel ever does tell you this, don't say, are you sure? Because uh, Zechariah got like a nine-month timeout for that. Uh, And then we hear uh, uh, fear not happen again with Mary. Fear not, uh, for you have found favor with the Lord. And Alan told us last week about how Mary handled that like a champ. And now... A heavenly host is coming to the shepherds saying, fear not. Uh, It's a really weird way to introduce yourself, I think. Don't you think so? Hi, I'm Marsh. How you doing? Fear not. Okay. So I don't really know uh, why the angels uh, would come with the word of the Lord and say, fear not. I, I thought about it for a while, and I came up with a couple of different reasons. And there might be other reasons, but, you know, I've got the microphone, so... It's two today. Um, so the first one is, is that maybe when you see an angel, you think you're going to die. Um, and we've all kind of said, you know, I thought I was going to die before in our lives. If you've ever driven a car to Payson, you've thought, I'm going to die. Uh, if you've ever been around those roads, if you've ever been a fan of the Arizona Cardinals, if you've... <laughs> But it's the whole, at the night, stepping out into the road and seeing lights all of a sudden happen. You're like, I am going to die. It's the first thing that happens. And I can just imagine the shepherds laying out with the sheep in the field, having a warm glass of goat milk. And all of a sudden, the sky lights up and glory to God in the highest. And they just go, oh, crap, I'm going to die. I I mean, I just figure that would be the first thing that's just reasonable to me to think that they would think that. And the second thing I could think of was... 
if you come face to face with something that has been that close to holiness, that you come face to face with your sin and your fear and your guilt. Does that make sense? Because the more guilt we have, the more things we fear. It'd be fear of being found out or the fear of failing or the fear of God's judgment or the fear that a lot of folks had at that point in time and now, the fear of dying and not going to heaven. But fear not is more than just the angel's intro. It's more than just fear not, you're not going to die, and I'm not here to judge you. It's a big biblical theme. Uh, God sends Jesus with the word fear not. In Hebrews 2.14, Jesus says, Jesus became man that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that's the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death have been held in lifelong bondage. Let me read that again. Jesus became man that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death have been held in lifelong bondage. Do you hear the, the freedom in that? That if, if our greatest fear, the fear of death, has been conquered, then surely Jesus does not want us to fear the lesser things, like the stuff that seems to take up all of our time, like job insecurity, or lack of money, or failing a test, or, or being rejected by a really pretty girl, or losing our home. God is ruling everything for our best interest. And don't just take my word for it. Believe his promises. I love this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, before I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall wear. Cast all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Welcome, shepherds, to the first Christmas. Fear not. Death is conquered. And then they say, what, after we normally hear? Fear not, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Fear not. Rejoice. The child is here. A Savior is born. The Messiah is here. You've been waiting. Here he is. Generations of longing are coming to an end right now. And God has taken it to the people. He's taken it to the shepherds. The first person you get people he goes and tells, boom, angels in the sky. Fear not, God's here. Paul summed up the goal of the whole ministry like this. For the advancement and joy of your faith. And he told the Philippians and the Thessalonians, rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. And we say always, and Paul says, yep. But not, not without tears or grief or pain. I mean, God doesn't ask us to stuff it all down and act like it's not there. But, but living in a joy, understanding the message that a Savior has been born. The joyless faith in Jesus is a contradiction in terms. Because once you know that something is taken care of, it changes your outlook. I mean, the, the, the scripture says that the, the angels appeared in the heaven and the shepherds were terrified. And then they said, fear not. And that changed their whole attitude. I know that, you know, when my dad died, uh, I had one thought in my head. It was... It was tears. I was very sad. Uh, I cried for hours. Went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and my first thought was, I'm going to go to the hospital and see how my dad's doing. But he was gone. I forgot he'd passed away. 
I was just grieving. You know, I still grieve. I mean, my, you know, my wife never met my dad. My kids talk about Papaw Dale, but they don't, they've never seen him. They don't know what he looks like. Um, but, and I can't really fully explain why to you, but uh, my joy in the Lord increased with my dad's passing. And I think it just has to do with, with Christ came, my dad believed, and so my dad's good. That's pretty simplified, and I don't want to oversimplify it. But it's not wrong to cry. <laughs> Hopefully not. I do it all the time. Weep with those who weep, but, but there is a joy that in God that does not get overcome. So rejoice, a Savior is born. Fear not, death is conquered. Glory in the highest heaven, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. Now this is something that has flown by me every Christmas until this year. And I, I know I'm not a detail person, people who know me know this. Stuff flies by me all the time. I am. Trust me, uh, we, you know, uh, we just got our family pastor, but trust me, a close second was getting Marsh an administrative person um, because that guy doesn't get anything done. Uh, peace among men on whom his favor rests. Other translations might say peace among men with whom he is pleased. So it's not just peace among men, and it's not just peace on the earth. It's peace among men on whom his favor rests. They're drawing a line. Peace to those who believe in Jesus. And we may not be aware of it, but we, the church, are a main character in the greatest love story ever known. And Christmas is Jesus reaching through eternity, showing us that he cares enough to make a way for us to be with him forever. We don't do any of the work here. We simply respond with a yes or a no. A yes sounds like Jesus, I believe you're God, and I will follow you. And a no sounds like anything else. It's an amazing gift he offers, and he doesn't lay out any bait and switch with his invitation to follow. He doesn't make this look pretty. Because don't forget, he said, he who would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross. He also said, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, this is not sexy. This is not, these are not the lines to a winning ad campaign. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But to as many received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God to as many as believed on his name. And I think it's good to, to point out it was only to his disciples that he said this. Peace I leave with you. Because they believed in him. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It's kind of the same thing the angels are telling us. Peace I give to you. If you believe in me. And don't be afraid. The people who enjoy the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. That Paul talks to us about in Philippians. Are those who in everything by prayer and petition. Let their requests be known to God. Those are the people that are in relationship with Jesus, who believe. And the key that unlocks the glorious gift of God and his peace is the faith in the promises of God. And that's why Paul says, 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Because when we do trust the promises of God and have joy and peace of love, then God is glorified. So glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests, those who believe in him. So rejoice. Christ has come. Fear not. He's conquered your greatest fear. And there's peace for you if you'll believe in him. I know this is going to be a kind of a short message, but before the band comes back out, it's the shepherds. Come on, um, I want to leave you with I want to leave you with something. Uh, it, I've been reading the, this text for a while, uh, the Luke two text, and something really uh, something really struck me uh, as to how much God loves us. I, I I think one thing we should tell each other often as believers is God loves you. It is. It, it is bolstering. It is, it is filling. It is strengthening. And I read these words, and it says it so clearly to me that God loves us. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their town to register. Now, that might not sound like too much of a love story to you, but let me unpack it the way I kind of have been uh, seeing it lately. In Micah... It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Have you ever thought, How amazing it is that before the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, like the prophecy we just read about, that he made it so that when the time came, the Messiah's mom and Joseph were living in Nazareth. That in order to fulfill his word and bring two little people to Bethlehem that first Christmas, God put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus that there should be a census, that for everybody under his rule, they needed to be counted, but not counted where they were currently living, They needed to go to their own hometown because a very pregnant young lady is not going to go 80 miles by foot and donkey very easily. So God had a king make a decree. I'm sure that you feel insignificant sometimes from time to time, because I do. There's seven billion people in the world. All the news we hear and the pictures we see are of of political posturing and economic and, and, and social movements and, and of of powerful people and of beautiful actors and all about prestige, and if you have felt small, don't let that make you sad or feel beaten down. Because Scripture is very clear that all the huge political forces and all the industrial machines, without their even knowing it, are being guided by God. And not for their sake. 
but for the sake of his children. Like little Mary and little Joseph who needed to get to Bethlehem, God moves empires to bless his kids. So fear not. And don't think that just because we face adversity that God's, God can't reach as far as he used to. Because he's not out to make us prosperous, he's out to make us holy. And that's how he runs things. Proverbs 21 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. I need there to be a census. And John Piper says this, He's a big God for little people, and we have great cause to rejoice that unbeknownst to them, all the kings and presidents and premiers and chancellors of the world follow the sovereign decrees of our Father in heaven, that we, the children, might be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. He's out to move mountains. Or he's out to make us holy, and he'll move mountains to do it. So, pardon my waterworks, but rejoice. Christ has come. Fear not. Your greatest fear is conquered. And there's peace to those who know him. So please, get to know him. We're going to respond now to what God's told us this morning. And you can just sit there and sing or stand and sing or write down something that is that you've wanted to get rid of for a long time and come up here and symbolically nail it to this cross. Light a candle to symbolize light in a dark place for someone that you love, for someone that you're praying for, or for something that you're having difficulty to get over. You can come here and pray. We'll have folks on either side to pray with you. You can take communion in the back. But I would encourage you, if God has spoken to you this morning, react. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your word and for your promises and for Christmas. We love you. Amen.